0: Do turn to Luke chapter 11, verse 14. Uh, Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, By Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebub. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. When a strong man fully armed guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armour in which the man trusted and divides up the spoils. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. When an evil spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I'll return to the house that I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Uh, A word of prayer before we um, unpack those verses. Father, thank you uh, for your word. uh, Your word which is truth. Your word which is living and active Father, we want to learn from you, we want to be taught by you, and so I pray that in these moments, by your Holy Spirit, our hearts and minds would be attentive to you, and we would hear what you want to say to us this morning, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to, um, last year I was given a book as a Christmas present, and uh, I don't know if you're fans of Bill Bryson books, but it's a book by Bill Bryson, um, and it's called The Body, A Guide for Occupants. And uh, I don't know if you've read it, but it's just, it's completely fascinating, because he just, he's done a huge amount of research to explore and explain how our bodies work. And our bodies are just the most amazing and the most remarkable, most remarkable things. And... Um, Do pray pray for dear old Bill because um, he's not a Christian. I think he's probably um, an atheist. And his explanation for the way that we are, the way that we are, is just purely the process of um, evolution. But this does have some relevance to the Bible passage. Don't panic. Uh, But he at one point in the book, uh, he's writing about, it's a chapter about the mouth and the throat. And he writes this. He says, um, one of the remarkable things we do with our mouths and throats is make meaningful noises. Uh, The ability to create and share complex sounds is one of the great wonders of human existence and the characteristic more than any other that sets us apart from all other creatures that have ever lived. In other words, the ability to speak sets us apart from all other creatures that have ever lived. It's one of the things that makes us unique In the created world is we can talk. And oh boy, can some of us talk. Anyway, he goes and he says, The capacity for speech requires a delicate and coordinated balance of tiny muscles, ligaments, bones and cartilage of exactly the right length, tautness and positioning in order to expel microbursts of modulated air in just the right measures. The tongue, teeth and lips must also be nimble enough to take these throaty breezes and turn them into nuanced phenomes. And all of this must be achieved without compromising our ability to swallow or breathe. In other words, our ability to speak is just amazing. It is inc- it's incredible. No other animal has developed the ability to speak. And you kind of think, well, why is that, why is that so? Well, Bill Bryson would argue that it's it's purely chance, it's purely fluke, it's purely evolution. Well, our Bibles tell us something different. The Bible tells us that God speaks. And the reason that God speaks, the Bible says, is because God is love, and love always wants to communicate. If you love, you want to communicate. The Bible says, well, God is love. He wants to communicate. Interesting that right at the beginning of the the beginning of Genesis where um, uh, creation is described it doesn't just say that you know God made things that God created things what does it say God said let there be light could have just said God you know God created light it doesn't say God said let there be light God said let there be an expanse of water God speaks And the reason he speaks is because God is love and love always wants to communicate. So the reason that we speak is not just because that's what we've evolved. It's because we're made in the image of God we're made to reflect his image. We are made to love. And so we're given this amazing ability to speak so that we can express that love. We can express praise and worship. When God speaks life is the result. And so often when we speak, life is the result. We can speak life into one another when we speak words of praise and words of encouragement. You know, it's true with children. If you praise a child, you literally see them almost grow in front of your eyes. Children respond to praise. It produces life in them. One of my Regrets as a parent is that I didn't praise my children as much as I should. I was far too uh, critical a parent uh, when they were little. I wish I had praised them more than I did because praise produces life. Sadly, also in our fallen nature, we use our mouths for destruction as well. The book of James in the New Testament, um, James says that the, you know, the tongue is a tiny part of the human body and yet it does, can do great damage. He says the tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. He says with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse people who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. Originally when God created us, when we were perfect, we spoke as he spoke. We spoke Words of praise and worship and encouragement. Um, Paul writes in Romans, um, he says, uh, chapter 10, verse 9 if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what our mouths were created for, that's what speech was created for, was to worship God. Now that's all by way of introduction to the first verse of our Bible reading this morning. I told you it did have some relevance. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. The demon is mute. I just find it interesting that, that on more than one occasion, when someone is oppressed by a demon, the thing that they lose is their ability to speak. Well, we shouldn't be surprised by that. In John's Gospel, John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says that Satan... Is, um, is, is a liar and a thief. He, he seeks only to steal, kill and destroy. That's the nature of the devil who is opposed to God. It's to steal, kill and destroy. So no surprise then that when Satan is oppressing someone, one of the things that he steals is the ability to speak because it's one of the most profound ways in which we are created to reflect the image of God. So no surprise that Satan will want to steal that from us. The demon is mute. And as the demon oppresses this man, he has lost his ability to speak. He's lost his ability to praise. He's lost his ability to speak out worship. The crowd are amazed. But some of them said, by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he's driving out demons. One of the the things that we do, if we don't... If we don't like what someone else is saying or doing and we want to oppose them, one of the things that we do is we demonise them. We do, even if they're doing something that looks good, if we don't like them and we don't want to approve of the way that they're doing it, what do we do? We demonise them. People do it the whole time in our society. People demonise other people and that's what they do with Jesus, Well, they, they can't they know he's done something remarkable, but they don't like it and they don't want to approve of it. So they say, okay, well, the only reason you've done it is because you're the chief of demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Sometimes people see the good things that Jesus does, but they, they say, well, well, show us another sign. Uh, we want more proof. It's, it's one of the ways in which people resist um, submission to Jesus. Because sometimes people see Jesus. And they look at the character of Jesus and they see how wonderful he is, but they resist following him. And so the reason that, the one of the ways in which people do that is to say, well, okay, I can't deny that you do some wonderful things. But I'm not convinced, and I won't be convinced until I've got more proof. I had a friend some years ago who resisted following Jesus for many years, even though they could see how wonderful he was. And that if, that the way they kind of did that was, well, I... I've got more questions that I want answered. I want more proof. Um, in the end, they gave in and started following Jesus. But that's what people do. Uh, they can demonise him. And Jesus knows their thoughts. He says to them, well, we just think about what you're saying. If what you're saying is true, well, kind of that's good news. If Satan is divided against himself, then his kingdom will fall. Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And then he says, well, apply, apply your logic to yourselves. If I'm casting out demons because I'm the prince of demons, then, well, how are your people driving out demons? And there were other exorcists around in the time of Jesus who cast out demons with all sorts of um, incantations and all sorts of stuff. He says, well, who are they driving them out? Uh, by whom do your followers drive them out? So they will be your Judges, And then Jesus says this, verse 20, um, but if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So if Jesus does these things, then we, have to, we do have to ask that question, well, by, by whose authority does Jesus do these things? Uh, those who criticised him said, well, it's, it's a demonic authority. Well, Jesus says, well, that just doesn't add up. The reality is I'm driving out demons by the finger of God. And if that's true, then you have to recognise the fact that actually the kingdom of God is in your midst. This phrase, the finger of God, you have to go right back to Exodus to find it. Um, Remember Moses um, against Pharaoh and the ten plagues that were inflicted upon the Egyptian nation. And at one point uh, when the plague of gnats are uh, in in Uh, invading Egypt Uh, and uh, Pharaoh's magicians are trying to replicate the things that God is doing and at this point the magicians say to Pharaoh this is the finger of God this is the finger of God Exodus chapter 8 verse 19 this is the finger of God in other words even the magicians in Pharaoh's day recognise that what is happening is of divine origin And therefore, Pharaoh needs to wake up to what is going on. And Jesus is kind of saying the same thing. He's saying, actually, you need to wake up to the reality of what is happening in front of you. That the reason demons are being cast out is because the kingdom of God is in your midst. And if the kingdom of God is in your midst, well, then you need to realise what's going on and do something about it. Uh, Verse 22 and 23. Jesus goes on to explain what's really going on. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armour in which the man trusted and divides up the spoils. Now this is really significant. Um, Jesus is saying, look, okay, um, evil is a reality. Our world is full of evil and we see it around us in the way that people behave and in the things that people do um, to other people. Evil is a reality in our world. It spoils our lives. It spoils our world. And so often we feel that there's nothing that we can, you know, we can do about it the way that Hollywood, the Hollywood, you know, Hollywood movies present the battle between Good and evil is almost as a battle between equal but opposites. And in the movies, sometimes um, evil gets the upper hand and sometimes good gets the upper hand. And, and in the end, by the end of the movie, usually um, good triumphs. That's not the reality that Jesus uh, paints uh, at all. He says, evil may be a strong man, fully armed, guarding his house and his possessions. But when someone's stronger... Attacks and overpowers him. In the battle against evil, Jesus is saying, someone stronger is here. That's why Jesus is able to cast out a demon, because he says, someone stronger is here. Jesus is stronger than any evil that we may face. Jesus is stronger than anything that we may face in our lives. We were thinking at the beginning of the service about the storm that we're caught up in uh, as a world at the moment, this global pandemic that we're in the midst of and how Jesus is always greater than the storms. Jesus is the one who is stronger than any evil that we may face in our lives. And the reason that Jesus casts out demons is because he is the one strong enough to overpower Satan and take away his armour and divide up the spoils. Jesus is the victor. In uh, Paul's, um, one of Paul's letters to the church in Ephesus, Paul writes about this um, battle against evil that we are faced with and that we're caught up in. Uh, and he um, gives encouragement to the church in Ephesus. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Uh, First thing in uh, um, battling evil is recognising the source of evil. It's not the things that we see, it's the things that are behind what we see. Rulers, authorities, the powers of this dark world, that's against whom our battle is. Really is, and in Colossians chapter two verse fifteen, uh, Paul writes about the victory of Jesus on the cross. He says, "On the cross, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross." So, what does this? What does this mean for us? What's the application for us? Well, the application for us is that if we Align ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. If we declare that Jesus is Lord, we have won the battle against evil. We have won the battle against evil. On the cross, Jesus won a victory over sin and death. And if we align ourselves with Jesus, we share in that victory. What's the evil that is afflicting you today? What's the evil that's afflicting you in your life? What is it that you are struggling with today? What is it that is oppressing you today? What are the temptations that are coming against you today? What are the things that you wrestle with? What are the things that you do and you think, I I wish I I I didn't do that? What are the bad habits that are ingrained in your life that you wish You could be free from. Well you can be because Jesus says someone stronger is here. Someone is stronger than all of those things that you wrestle with in your life. And that person is Jesus Christ who won a victory on the cross. There is someone stronger who can set you free. In John's Gospel, John says that anyone who sins is a slave to, slave to sin. That's why so often in our lives we find ourselves battling against things and we just can't break free because sin has a hold on our lives. Well, Jesus is someone stronger than the power of sin. He's stronger than the power of death. Whatever we're wrestling with, someone stronger is here to help us. Whatever you may be wrestling with this morning, there is a saviour, there is a victor, there is one who is stronger than all of those things who can set you free. Um, Jesus goes on, verse 24, he says, when an evil spirit comes out of someone, it goes through arid places seeking rest, it doesn't find it. Then it says, I'll return to the house that I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself and they go in and live there. The final condition of that person is worse than the first. What's Jesus saying? Well, he's saying, he's saying this battle against, it's not, it's not just enough to get rid of the evil. You've got to replace it with something. You've got to replace it with something. How often in our lives have we tried to, um, master a bad habit or overcome a temptation? And in our own strength, we may may be victorious for a little while, but then we just fall back into our old bad habits and our old ways of doing it. And we have to fight the battle all over again. Well, that's because we're focused on getting rid of that which is bad without replacing it with something that is good. I mean, in the early days of the church, uh, in the baptism service, there were two things that happened in the baptism service that we've kind of lost over the years. And the two things that happened were, one, the person who was being baptised um, would be exorcised. And the baptism service was an exorcism because it was assumed that if you'd lived life long enough, you would have picked up uh, not just bad habits, but you may well have picked up um, a few demons along the way. And so you would; there would literally be an exorcism in the baptism service to make sure anything that was oppressing you, anything um, unclean, spiritually unclean, that shouldn't be there, it would have been dealt with. It would have been cleared out of the way. In the name of Jesus, anything unclean, we command it to leave you. But then, uh, in the baptism service, you would be filled with the Holy Spirit. That would be the prayer. That the evil having gone you would now be filled with the power of God. You'd be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you're not just swept clean so that the spirit can wander around and the, the demon can wander around and think, oh, well, I've got nowhere else to go. I might as well go back home. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit. So now that victory has been established in your life. And as I say, over the years, when you read the modern baptism service, uh, that exorcism is, is now, it's just, it's a tiny little part. You wouldn't even recognise it as an exorcism. It's a fight valiantly against the world, the flesh and the devil. But that, it began as an exorcism. And um, over the years, the bit about being filled with the Holy Spirit has been separated out from baptism and plonked into another service called confirmation. Why do you have to wait until you're confirmed to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I do not know. I, I, if you baptise, you need the Holy Spirit. Anyway, that, the point is... Don't just concentrate on getting rid of the evil. You need to be filled up with the good. You need to be filled up with the presence of Jesus, with the one who is stronger than all of these things. Because as long as we live this life, um, Satan is always trying to steal, kill and destroy. He's always snapping at our heels. He's always trying to rob us of the good things that we have. He's always trying to find a sneaky way back into our lives and the way to overcome him is to be totally aligned with the one who is stronger and to be filled with the presence of the one who is stronger, to be filled with the presence of Jesus. Which is why, at the end of the passage, when this woman um, calls out from the crowd, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you, how wonderful you are. And yes, Jesus is Wonderful, no denying that, absolutely, but it's not enough simply to recognise how wonderful Jesus is. If we want to establish these things in our lives, Jesus says, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Who hear the word of God and obey it. So say at the start of the service, I was reading that passage earlier on in luke's Gospel about the disciples caught up in a storm, and the way that they overcome the storm was by having Jesus in the boat with them. If you want to overcome the storms in your life, you need to have Jesus in the boat. you need to hear the Word of God and do something about it if you want to be if you want to overcome temptation, if you want to win the battles over the evil that oppresses you, then you need to Hear the word of God and obey it. And the wonderful thing is, as we uh, just to go right back to where we began, the reason we can hear the Word of God is because God is love and God speaks. He wants us to hear His word, because His word is life-giving. It gives us life, and it sustains life in us. So let's choose this morning. Let's be resolved to hear the word of God and to obey it. Because when we do, then we can share his victory of the cross. We can live in it. Let's pray for a few moments as we um, begin to draw to a close. And in these moments, let's acknowledge, let's turn to the Lord Jesus. Uh, whatever you may be facing in your life, we, as I say, we're... We're caught up in just a global uh, conflict at the moment, this pandemic that is so devastating our world. We're caught up in all kinds of storms in our personal lives as a consequence of that. And yet in Jesus, we have someone stronger, someone who has overcome all of these things, someone who has won a great victory. He's made a public spectacle of evil. who's won a victory and he invites us to share in that victory with him. So Jesus, we choose this morning to stand with you. To stand with you, the one who has overcome, the one who is the same yesterday, today and forever. and in Jesus name we uh, we just declare freedom this morning freedom in our lives lord set us free from anything that is oppressing us set us free fill us even now with your holy spirit your life giving holy spirit fill us afresh